host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. In case you missed it, on May 12th, we hosted an event called the Make Resilient Disciples Online Experience. So many of you joined us and we are so grateful to have the opportunity to come together as a community of loving, caring adults to start a conversation or to come alongside what you are already doing in your local ministries. Each and every week on this podcast, we talk about why it's so important and what it means to make resilient disciples. Today is all about that. And this episode is actually in two parts. I want to share with you a conversation that Valerie Bell led during the Make Resilient Disciples online experience. Valerie likes to say that this generation has the potential to be the greatest generation of disciples ever. The way for that to be a reality, the way for them to lead the church of 2050 in a way that we hope it looks like is for us to be loving them to Jesus right now, even during this pandemic. In part two of the conversation, you're going to hear a letter that was actually written by Valerie. It's a letter to a child from the church. I really want you to stick around for part two. I don't even want to spoil it any more than that. I think when you hear it, even though it was written before the pandemic, it's going to remind you why you do what you do, why you care so much about this conversation around child discipleship. A quick note about Valerie's talk. She does reference a few pictures and during the event, a lot of you asked if we were going to give you the slides from the Make Resilient Disciples online experience. All of that is in the show notes. So check out the show notes if you are someone who wants to see what she's talking about. I still think it makes sense just as audio, but want to make sure you have everything you need to enjoy and take in this conversation. So here we go with Valerie Bell, episode 36 of the Resilient Disciples podcast. Everybody, thanks for joining us today. Uh, we're going to be talking about making resilient disciples. Uh, but before we do, I just want to acknowledge something about COVID-19. We are living in urgent days. Uh, COVID-19 has brought us to our knees. Uh, but I want to also encourage you by this thought, uh, because it's urgent and it's now, it's today. You, you know, we have to do this and put a lot of other things on the back burners. It will also be history. There will be a time, and I'm praying that that is soon, when we will see COVID-19 only through the rearview mirror of history. And uh, to give us a little perspective, though, on the uh, topic of resilient disciples, this is a crucial conversation. And that means that this conversation has long-reaching implications, long-reaching consequences. And we will be dealing and trying to understand this and get it right for quite a long time. And so as we uh, look today, we're going to be looking at uh, kids like this, I love this picture. This was sent in. Their uh, father was in Iwana as a kid. He's a pastor in Manhattan now. They ride their bikes across from this hospital in New York City. And these children are reaching their hands up to God in prayer for this big hospital. And I love that because I believe that these children are even now at their young ages learning how to be resilient disciples. And they're learning that whatever comes against them or whatever comes against uh, this world, that they can lift their hands to God and pray in confidence that he will hear their prayers. 
And so um, we're going to be looking at resilient discipleship. If a picture is worth a thousand words, this next picture is worth about a million. This is a young man named Hayden, and he's standing there at his school praying on a day called See You at the Pole. And you may have noticed the problem with this picture is that no one else showed up to pray with Hayden that day. So here this camera has caught this young teenager in one of the most awkward situations in his life. He's alone, uh, he's a little abandoned feeling maybe and it makes me wonder a couple of things I wonder when I look at that hmm what would I have done as a kid if that had happened to me I'm pretty sure I would have waited about five minutes and I would have left and I would have had some words with my Christian friends who were no shows <laughs> he stayed and it makes me wonder what was he thinking so fortunately, Hayden's mom, Stacy, is a blogger, and she told us what Hayden was thinking. He said that as he stood alone and prayed, the cry of his heart had been, God, as people drive by, let them wonder, let their hearts be pricked. But then eventually he realized that no one else was coming. And yeah, the cry of his heart changed. He asked that God would do something with his standing alone. Oh God, do something, I don't know what with this. So that day, I think this, that when God's eyes were searching the earth, looking for those whose hearts were right towards him, like it says in scripture, I think he may have seen Hayden that day because this picture, boom, went viral. <laughs> and when I saw it, my heart jumped because I'm part of the generation that's older and I worry about the spiritual tenacity of our younger kids. When I see the stats and I recognize, recognize what's happening, I do worry about the spiritual tenacity of our kids. I would say that Hayden is resilient. Hayden has this quality of spiritual elasticity of a child or an adult, the resistant strength to bend and flex but not break against the weight of culture. Um, there he is, he's out in the world, he's hit the wall a little bit, but he is holding his ground. I love that picture. Here's some good news. Resilience can be taught. And resilience is the muscle that child discipleship builds. We can teach our children how to be spiritually resilient. And this generation of kids is facing uh, more challenges to their faith than any previous modern generation, I believe. Now that may seem like an overstatement, but let me just give you an up-close uh, look into their lives. The force of secular uh, life that's coming against them. Um, the first thing is that they're experiencing a seismic shift in family structure. The children being raised as children today, half of them, 50% of them, will experience the breakup of their family homes during their childhoods. And so think of this, half of the children coming to our Sunday school programs, half of the, the children coming to our youth programs are coming with broken hearts. They're coming with the stability uh, that they should have as children being robbed uh, from them and they do not have that now. And so this has created this huge epidemic of fatherlessness fatherlessness um, and it kind of grieves me because I think that we need to be very um, strong at this point and brave and ask ourselves some hard questions you know are we still performing our programs with these children as if nothing has happened in their lives are we tone deaf 
to the heartbreak that many of them are experiencing. Um, that's why child discipleship is so extremely important. In fact, I would say it's crucial. It's crucial that we understand what's happening because if we can get our heads around this, this will impact the future of faith. This will impact the future of the church. Uh, we can't go on acting as if nothing had changed. Uh, this is from a study that was done at Harvard at the Center on the Developing Child. And this was their conclusion of the study about what's happening to kids who are caught in these seismic changes in the United States. No matter the source of hardship, they say, the single most common factor for children who end up doing well is having the support of one stable committed adult. It is more important than having all of the greatest education. It's more important than having all the money that you need in life. It's more important than having access to medical care. It's having this stable committed adult in your life. And when I read that, I thought that should be the definition of the church that we stop running programs, we stop uh, making sure just that we're there to get the handbooks filled in or whatever kind of protocol that we're using to work with children. And we start seeing these children as kids who are in need of a great deal of love, a great deal of one-on-one -on -one relational discipleship. Um, then a second shift is in um, the decline in church vitality. We know, uh, the stats tell us that every week, Every week, 100 to 200 churches close in the United States. That's rather uh, a lot. Uh, I think some of that is mitigated by church planting that's going on. But uh, there is another statistic that worries me even more, and it is this. The average church attendance for church-going kids is 1.7 times per month. That's uh, around 24 hours in a year. Let me just say it. You can't make disciples that way. You just can't. The church is losing the family's primary allegiance. It's losing its vitality. It's losing our kids. This is a Barnestat. Retention rate is reflected in the dropout rate of 59 to 64% of kids who are uh, moving on in their lives college age. Uh, as we look at that, we realize that um, we can't be tone deaf to those things. We have to be students of the culture, I think we could say. Then this third wave, uh, seismic shift that's coming against children today, uh, the weight of secular culture, secular culture itself. When I was growing up, probably like a lot of you, secular culture was out there. It was movies. It was dancing. Um, it was a lot of things, actually. But Today, the secular culture has come with, like a tsunami into the very palms of our kids' hands. And now they have access and information uh, in greater uh, volume than they ever had before. Um, this uh, it has created a generation of um, screen disciples. They're discipled because they go to the internet to find out how to think, what, how to act, who to hang out with. Um, they find their identities there. They find their affections there. And they place their allegiances there. And people, that is discipleship. 
There is a cultural shift that these kids today are going to have to deal with as they become adults in 2050. And here's a trend. This is from Ed Stetzer. In the past, we had non-Christians, non-believers, and there was a cultural divide between them and the rest of the country. Cultural Christians, who would be people who were born in the United States and thought, hey, I'm Christian, I'm American, right? And congregational Christians, people who were Easter and Christmas uh, attenders, and then convictional Christians who I would say would be kind of orthodox uh, believers. And now we see that this shift is happening. In the future, what we will see more and more is that these three groups will be uh, similar in their worldview, similar in how they vote, similar in their values. And the divide will be here, where there will be just a much smaller amount of Orthodox Christians who hold to the traditional biblical viewpoint. And so, you know, we will have a smaller voting group. Uh, we will have less agreement in the culture about our values in the future. And that is what this particular generation of kids are facing as they grow up. I believe that. Um, it's time for us to get our mind around the culture, around the secular culture. We need to be students of it. And it reminds me of this verse from the Old Testament at a time when David was becoming king of Israel. And the tribes were coming to him to show their allegiance. And most of the time, this scripture says the tribe of Benjamin and then how many? the tribe of Judah, and then how many? That's all that was said about them until it came to the tribe of Issachar. And it had this very unique description of who the tribe of Issachar were, and their special uh, place in David's kingdom. It says they were leaders who understood the times. That means they got the culture. That means they were the culture vultures of the Old Testament. We need to be culture vultures today. We can't just uh, go off in a corner and be too afraid to engage, be too afraid to influence. We need to get at them. We need to understand where they're coming from. So these Issachar leaders understood the times and then this very fascinating last part of the description. And they knew what to do. I think God is looking for a tribe of Issachar in America today of believers who will be strategic, who will come together and put down their tribalness, their, uh, their ministry silos, and begin to dream about what to do in order to win this culture to Christ and to raise up resilient disciples. I want to just show you this next picture as I end right now. This is a picture of my third grandson, Reese, when he was in NICU as a newborn. He was preemie. Uh, his intestines were not working. He had so many tests performed on him that they had to give him three different uh, um, blood transfusions because they had taken so much of his blood for tests. Finally. They came to us and they said, the only test that is left to test is uh, AIDS. And we said, there's no reason to take this child's blood for AIDS testing. And so they labeled him failure to thrive. They put him in a dark room and we said, we are gonna be in that room with him 24 seven. We're gonna be there praying for him, holding him, crying over him, praying over him, doing scripture over him, singing over him. And you know, he came home to us. 
he came home to us. And this is Reese today. And he's just as colorful as that picture. <laughs> but I have often thought that he uh, has a kind of spiritual uh, sensitivity. Uh, he loves to pray. He, he loves uh, to read the Bible. Uh, there's a part of him uh, that I think we gave to God. But a lot of children are like that. I'm not saying that so you think he's extremely special. He's, he don't, he's only special to me that way. But we did have this conversation I wanted to share with you. He said to me, Lovey, and that's my grandma name. Um, he said, Lovey, have you ever heard God talk to you? And I thought, oh boy, this is going to be interesting, isn't it? I said, well, I think I have heard God speak to me, but are you saying, have I heard his voice in my ears? <laughs> and he said, yes. And I said, no, have you? And he said, yes. And I said, well, tell me about that. He said, the other night when the whole family was asleep, I couldn't sleep. And I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I said, Reese, was that scary? And he said, no, I was really, really happy. And I said, what did God say to you? He said, God said to me, I want you to love Jesus for the rest of your life. That's resilient discipleship. It's a definition a resilient discipleship, to raise up a generation of children who will love Jesus for the rest of their lives. And that's our dream and what we believe God has been speaking to us in the midst of COVID-19, is to raise up a generation of children who love Jesus for the rest of their lives, who will be called the greatest generation of disciples. child, you are little for such a short time. But when you grow up and think back on your childhood, we hope some of your fondest memories are about us, the church. It wasn't too long ago when you were sitting in a circle with other kids. Someone was singing, Jesus Loves Me. It is probably one of the first songs you learned to sing. As a toddler, you could lisp your way through John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You will remember this verse for your entire life, along with how the church was your happy place every week. How we have celebrated your childhood among us, in rooms painted with children's delight in mind and furnished with tables and chairs that were just your size, you heard the good news of the gospel and came to Jesus with childlike faith and trust. We are the church, and you, child, are precious to us. But things have changed. The church building is closed and empty. There is no game time, no one to say your verses to, no one to call you by name and ask, how you doing, friend? How we miss you. We miss you running through the parking lot to be in church with us. Your laughter should be ringing in these hallways. Your songs should be drifting from the children's wing into the heart of our sanctuary. 
Can it be that this missing you has made it possible for us to love you even more than we did before the COVID-19 pandemic? Before our worlds were turned upside down and you disappeared from church? It has. The suddenness of this crisis makes us wonder, have we given you everything you need spiritually to face this and other unforeseen crises that may come into your life? What unknown territory stretches out between these days of your childhood and your adult life? Will your strong faith hold in the face of fear or potentially death? And what about other challenges to faith that are even now rising on the horizon? Will your childhood faith hold up against the strong tsunami of a secular culture? For now, we have enough worries where you are concerned. The world has pivoted, been knocked off its foundations. And after just a few weeks, we realize your discipleship can't wait for you to grow up. Enormous challenges we thought were far away in your adulthood are here today. COVID-19, with its serious threat to life and its pandemic reach, has shattered our assumptions about the security and resilience of your life. We are so sorry this virus is threatening your childhood. We will do anything to protect you, knowing what you are facing. But the question, have we done enough, gnaws at us. Warm, fuzzy memories may not be enough to strengthen you now. Our time to build you into disciples was so short. We wonder if we have filled the small amount of time we had with you with delightful things and spiritual entertainment, activities so inconsequential, they won't travel into the real challenges of your life, today or as an adult, except as lovely memories. Have we loved and entertained you only, or have we also created disciples? With your future in mind, have we intentionally raised you to become a Christ-following man or woman with both spine and heart? Spine to stand firm for your Christian beliefs in an increasingly hostile secular world, and heart to embrace that same intolerant of faith world with a love that can't be ignored. Spine to trust God and not cling to life here on earth, but rather to claim your citizenship in heaven and heart to pour God's love into a lost and hurting world. Will you grow up and be grateful that we, the church, gave you everything you needed to both lead the church and influence the culture? Will you be prepared because the church today anticipated the challenges you would face as a Christian adult in 2050? Will you experience our love today because we prepared you for a life in which anything can happen? Will you know we are for you and that God is working everything out on your behalf, no matter what? While we both have today, this is what we want you to know. We never stopped loving you. We can't wait until we see you and can all be together again. We miss you from the bottom of our hearts. Lovingly, The Church.
Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Thanks to Kevin Orris and Phil Wallace for making the podcast happen. And thank you for listening. I'll talk to you next week.